Hello and welcome to another installment of the Wipeful Podcast with me, Etches Adoku, and Michael Dryden. This week, the shortlist for the Golden Boy Awards is being reduced to 40 players. So we're taking a look at the award itself, its creation, its past winners, and the favourites for this year's prize. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at Wipeful underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and YouTube. Dryden, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. I suppose you, I think you were out yesterday, you didn't see the United game, did you? The Manchester United-West Ham no, game. No, I didn't, I didn't catch it now. Ah, uh, Mark Noble at the end. Oh, I don't know if you've seen it. I have, but, I have seen it, yeah. Oh, I just, I'm not in favour. I don't know what you think on this, but I'm not in favour of bringing players on for penalties. I know it's hindsight to say that after the event. So obviously, if he puts a top right corner, Moyes is a genius. Obviously, in the Euro final, we had players come on and take penalties and it didn't work out. I'm just not really in favour of it. You've got to, you're coming on, you've not been involved in the game, you've not like had any of the pressure or the atmosphere, you've not soaked up any other kind of the occasion on the day and you're, you're, you haven't even warmed up properly like Mark Noble seemingly hadn't and you're going straight at the spot, uh, penalty spot. True. Having said that though, Mark Noble's percentage for pens is pretty high compared to um, the other guys who took them. I, I'm not saying that he should have taken it, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things really, isn't it? Um it was a, it was an unfortunate incident. It's the way he runs on as well. Like he, my man runs on like this is my time. Like you see him, everyone's patting him on the back <laughs> as he jogs on. The manager's shouting his name. He's he's got the ball. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna binge this one and wheel away. When he misses, he's like ah shit. He looks devastated. Man. Yeah, this, he is, this is last season for West Ham as well. And he's not gonna play much if at all really in the Premier League. And I think this is his last. Is he uh, retiring? Shine. I don't know if he's retiring full stop, but the commentator said it was his last um, last year at West Ham. I assume he would retire. Um, I don't really know, to be fair. I'd be surprised to see him go and drop down the championship or something, uh, given the career he's had. But yeah, I mean, it was one of them as well. Ben Rama went off and I think he might have fancied himself to take a penalty. Yeah, it's, it's, Rice uh, had it, all it's of it. It's Rice, mate. Declan Rice would take it. Yeah, well, I saw him with the ball in his hand, but is he actually like the? Yeah, he is. He's the oh, really? Taker, I thought he was just. I thought he was just had it because Antonio wasn't there and Ben Rama wasn't there. No, 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 no. Declan Rice takes them when um he has been taking them recently. Apparently, he's, he's done quite well. So oh. Mark Noble is thirty four. Having said that, he's looked thirty four for the past twelve years. <laughs> so, so have you? Yeah, but forty four for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know what Mark Noble end up doing. To be honest, that's not really the focus of this episode, nor do I care. No. So we'll move on. <laughs> um, why this episode, Ryan? Um, So to be honest, on Thursday, I was bored in the evening. Um, decided to look at the Europa League fixtures to put a bet on in play. One of those fixtures was PSV Eindhoven versus Real Sociedad, which ended up finishing uh, 2-2. This kind of piqued my interest because the first goal scorer in that game in the first half was Mario Goetze, who I was surprised to see. Um, it turned up at PSV. Um, and then the score of, the, of Sociedad's second goal um, when they equalised was Swedish protégé Alexander Isaac. Um, oh, sorry, no, the second goal was them taking the lead in the first half. Um, but this, seeing Goethe's name in a different a different jersey just made me think about his career, you know, his rise to stardom at Dortmund and then at Bayern and then his subsequent fall from Grace. So seeing him on the score sheet, then alongside Isaac, who you know is coming through in the game, uh, who came on the Euros, looked really sharp, um, just made me kind of think of those that had fallen, such as Gorte, um, and then try and compare that kind of generation to to Isaac's generation, um, to kind of because you know you always get those flops and those 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 falls in football, regardless of the generation or the other kind of level of football. Um, 
But Goto actually won the Golden Boy Award in 2011 whilst in his first stint at Borussia Dortmund. Um, whilst Googling the other winners, I then noticed that the 40-man shortlist for this, this year's Golden Boy um, had just been announced. There's actually going to be a, and I'll come on to this, but there's actually going to be a shortlist moved down to 20 man uh, in October. But I think it doesn't really matter. The, the favourites will still be the favourites in, in October. So um, I've saved the listeners there from spending 25 minutes hearing about Marigotte if they thought that was going to be the case. There is this obsession, I think, partly because of Ronaldo and Messi and some other players as well, even Mbappe now and Neymar of the next big thing and the next big thing is Mm. supposed to be the best player in the world at 15 and that trajectory is meant to keep on going and often with a lot of players that's not the case for a variety of reasons i remember when the world is clamoring about john bostock when he left palace (laughs) to join tottenham and in the end it didn't work out for him and there's hundreds and thousands of cases like that as well so it'd be interesting to look at the golden boy award and how it's put together because you get your Gertzes, who was unfortunate with some things we'll mention later on. Yeah. But then you also have your Cesc Fabregas's and your Messi's and some, some, I think, Sergio Aguero as well. So some really brilliant players coming to have fantastic careers. And it'll also be interesting to think about the players that we've got really recently. You know, they can't all become the best player in the mm. world necessarily. You know, some may not get there. Some might do. You know, you, you don't really know. It's like when you have, oh, predicting the England squad for the 2026 World Cup. And they're always so wrong. <laughs> they put some guy in midfield. It's like, oh uh, yeah, Chelsea's under sixteen captain is going to be England's like number one captain. You check on him in like ten years time, and he's playing at Kettering Town. It's like, all right, well, yeah, we we seem to have called that one incorrectly. So we'll move on to now to what is the Golden Boy Award. So the Golden Boy is an award that is given by sports journalist to a young footballer playing in Europe who is perceived to have been the most impressive during a particular calendar year. So that's two halves to two separate seasons, interestingly. Um, all nominees must be under the age of 21 and playing in Europe in a European nation's top tier. So that's only players, so for this year, only players born after the 1st of January 2001. So for any sticklers listening who are about to throw some shade at me for the reason that Isaac is not in the running, <laughs> I think I mentioned that earlier, um, it's because he is 21 and he was born before that date. Um, so, because I was surprised looking at the shortlist to not see his name in there, um, but that is why. So, the prize was established by Italian sports newspaper Tutto Sports in 2003, um, which came as a surprise to me as I kind of thought it was. I didn't really know much about the award, but I thought it was a FIFA or UEFA run award rather than being something that came from a particular newspaper and was, and was run by a journalist, but um, that is seemingly the case. Not going to lie, that's possibly because it's built into Football Manager that I thought that. <laughs> but uh, but that is the case. Um, so the, the voting is no longer just carried out by Tutu Sport, which is, you know, it used to be, that used to be the case, but now includes a German newspaper Bild, Blick, which is a Swiss newspaper, Abola, Portuguese newspaper, El Equipe, and France Football, part of France, uh, Martha, which is in Spain, Mundo Deportivo, also in Spain, Tania, which is Greek, Sport Express, which is Russia, and Date Telegraph, the Netherlands, oh, and the Times as well from the UK are involved in that. So quite a widespread of nations, um, journalists and newspapers. Uh, in June of this year, 100 names were published by Tutu Sport, Tutu Sport, and this was whittled down by an open public online vote to 80, then 60, and now to 40 players, uh, with that 20-man list to be revealed in October. Um, the journalists from those countries I mentioned will then vote for who they believe to be the golden boy winner. The voting journalists allocate 
uh, points to five players, 10 for the most impressive, seven for second, five for third, three for fourth, and one for fifth. Um, and the player with the most votes is clearly the winner. I don't know. I don't really like it just being like journalists. Mm. I always think when you get football writers, sometimes it's a bit like, mm. <laughs> I, I do like reading your articles, but you try to be a little bit out there with your selection for like football writers. It'd be something like, oh yeah, like he's such a good player, but he'll never win an award. So we'll give him an award here. It's like, <laughs> don't, don't don't be extra just vote for the best player and leave it there do you know what i mean so it would be it would be nice to get coaches view i think when you have coaches on um punditry i remember when Mourinho first came on even though i'm not a massive Mourinho fan they they see so much you know they see mm. especially i think when you get very old managers so alan kirby and stuff maybe their eye in the game wanes a little bit but when you get yeah. coaches that are actively coaching you know very in the moment I think they're so insightful, so it'd be very good to get them on board as well to vote for these players because I'm sure they're watching them all the time. They could be potential signings, you know, just generally because they're watching other teams play and it'd be quite good to get them involved as well because journalists can be a bit controversial. Mm, I think it's, it's good to have that different perspective, but I think in the context of the Golden Boy, there isn't really, you know, if, uh, this kind of brings us on to our next point of kind of um, of previous winners and call cool, um, because the Golden Boy is seemingly quite, well coveted now uh the equivalent in the uk would be say the pfa a young player of the year award is also highly coveted um but that's for under 23s rather than under 21s and you know under 20 a 22 year old or 23 year old actually to an extent in the game now is actually fairly established it's not yeah. really um an up-and-coming player you know someone at 23 could be could have been playing first or had six years in the top flight under their belt so are those really the up and coming players or are those players that are already established? And that you could say that for some of the players in the in the Golden Boy uh, reckoning um as well. But I think the issue with this award is that you don't have too many awards that really look at the of on like a global stage that really yeah. look at like this age bracket. And that's why your point is valid for this, because it's you know, you, you almost don't have that other standard to look at in terms of like you know, you have the Ballon d'Or, but is there is not a young person's Ballon d'Or. So yeah, there will true. be awards out there, but um, that's why I think your point is very valid. In the context of the UK, I think having the like the the Football Writers Award alongside the PFA Award and, and etc. I think is quite a good take to have. But um, it's also just bias as well. I mean, bias exists in every form of the game. But you know, if, if you're if you're a player that is not historically very well, uh, doesn't hasn't communicated well with the media, are you going to win that award? Possibly not. So it's it's a really interesting one. So looking at looking at previous winners. Um, this is the fun part. So the first winner in 2003 was Raphael van der Vaart, then of Ajax. And looking at this list, and I'll go through briefly, what I find interesting is how kind of spot on the list is in terms of like some of the best players of our generation are on this list. Um, there are some flops, which we're going to talk about, uh, but most went on to greatness. And I think to my point almost before, I feel like that's kind of because um, many of the players that we'll, I'll read out here already had quite a lot of games under their belt by the time they reached 19 or 20. So Wayne Rooney's a good example. He, we all know who, him coming through as a 16-year-old at Everton um, in the Premier League. And he actually had 67 league appearances uh, under his belt before he actually won the Golden Boy Award in 2004. So that's quite a lot for someone who's regarded as being up and coming. He's almost got two lots of Premier League seasons worth of appearances under his belt. Mm. Um so all, to an extent, you could say he's already kind of made it. I don't know. It's it's how you look at that. But we'll go through one kind of one by one. We've got Rafael van der Vaart, Wayne Rooney, Lionel Messi, Cesc Fabregas, Sergio Aguero, Anderson, Alexandre Pato, Mario Balotelli, 
Mario Gorza, Isco, Paul Pogba, Raheem Sterling, Anthony Martial, Renato Sanchez, Kylian Mbappe, Mathis Delit, Joao Felix, and then Erling Haaland. Yeah, it makes you feel old seeing players born after 2000 in the running for this award <laughs> now, 2001. Um, yeah. Hold tight, Raheem Sterling, year of my, my, my real birth. Uh, for many of you listening, you're not, none of you are too sure <laughs> when there actually is. Rumours are us in the 70s, some of you thought it was in the mm. 80s. It's in fact the 90s. But yeah, it's an interesting list. Like, you know, we're talking about Van der Vaart, um, good career, played at Madrid, Tottenham, Hamburg, um, Wayne Rooney. It, it, it always defines as what is a flop. It, you know, it, it's such a hard mm. word to kind of define, right? Because you can pick someone like Isco. Now, Isco's been at Madrid for about 10 years, nearly nine years, eight years. Yeah. You know, he, he is not the midfielder that Madrid would have expected him to have become, no. But he's played top flight football for a very long time. He's played internationally. I don't know if he's won an international trophy with Spain. I wouldn't have thought so. He might have, no, 2012. No, probably not. But, you know, that is still a very successful career. Is he a flop because he didn't reach, you know, Ballon d'Or level? It's so hard. There are players mm. coming through at all sorts of speeds, you know. And, and and some of them take a while to get to it. Look, we, we've mentioned on here Renato Sanchez. Now, I know he's had a resurgence at Lille. I remember when he came on the scene at Benfica and went to Bayern, he looked lost. And then everyone said, mm. like, oh, he's going to go to Swansea under Carvial, the manager. I can't remember his first name. He came through and he was crap. He mm. wasn't very good. Yeah. Everyone wrote him off. The guy is still very, very young. People are saying, oh, he's back. He's back to his best. But that's that's what happens if young players... You know, you can never really predict the trajectory of a young star. We always believe they should just go from, oh, this guy's brilliant at 16, therefore we should continue. And that isn't the case. I mean, we've got Damari Gray in our own country, who people had written off when he was at Leicester. Um, he went to Leverkusen. I'm not too sure what he did there. He's come back to the Premier. He's got three goals in four games. Played really, mm. really well. Inanacha is another one. He was 10th on this list in one of the years. I can't remember what year. Oh, really? Yeah, when he moved to City, or his first year at City, again, didn't hit the lights at Leicester. Half a few last year, he's been in really good form and hasn't really left it since. So it's a really hard thing to predict. Yeah, no, no, certainly. Um, and I suppose it depends on the context of the year and when these, when these winners won their award. So a, yeah, notable, a notable absentee from this list is Cristiano Ronaldo um, as the best example. Um, and then you've got players, for example, like Anderson or Alexandre Pato, who or even Isco, you know, who, who won it in certain years, but obviously it's a, the context is who's around you at the time. I don't have to go for any award ever. <laughs> yeah, true. I suppose, but so it's kind of, you know, it, it's almost like you're holding different standards, different players based on when they actually won the award. So I think it's it's interesting. If we look at some of the players, uh, kind of the, the highlight of the three players, I would say, who we call flops because they didn't reach the heights. Anyone winning this award is expected, I think, or is seen to be someone who's going to be an elite footballer who's going to be um, that Ballon d'Or level. As you said, you know, it's, it's, the Ballon d'Or is reserved for one person each year on year and two players have won it countless times in the last 10, 10 seasons. So how can we hold that standard to a lot of players? But the first one, and I mean, it's the most famous in this list for being probably someone who's fallen off was, is Alexandra Pato. I think in our generation, everyone knows him so well because of FIFA and Ultimate Team. <laughs> and that's why his name pricks up. But he is obviously a winner of this award. So he must have been um, a kind of a prodigy in world football generally at that time. And when he won the award in uh, 2009, um, he won it whilst at Milan. Um, and he's, he kind of got off. I mean, he came through at International when he was 16 
And I think that's a theme for the ones that potentially do fall off. We talked about, we talked about Bostock earlier. Think about someone like Gil Kakuta. He didn't win the Golden Boy, but he came through Chelsea so young, made his first appearance in the Champions League, such a young age, and then it doesn't always pan out. And sometimes that that expectation or that hype too early can can affect you. Um, you know, Pato went to Milan in August 2007. Um, he then won the Golden Boy and then won the Serie A Young Football of the Year Award in 2009. Um, after 18 goals in 42 matches, then won the Serie A as, as a cl- with AC Milan as the club's top, top, uh, joint top goal scorer. Um, then went back oddly to Corinthians for 50 million euros. Then ended up at Sao Paulo. Later went to Chelsea on loan, which was interesting. Um, then went back to Sao Paulo and um, has since been at Villarreal, Tianjin, Tanhal in China. Back to Sao Paulo and now at Orlando City alongside Nani. So it it it's an interesting one for him because his goal scoring record initially was really good and then it just seemed to seems to fall off. Someone like Mario Gotze, if we move on to him, if we put in that same bracket, it's difficult because Mario Gotze has won a lot of medals and so has Pato. But in the context of this, we have to call them flops in a sense because, you know, we're, we're comparing it with the best of the best. Um, so Gotze came through at Dortmund, as we all know. Um, he's won the Bundesliga, he's won the DFB Portugal. He signed for Bayern, part with through the 2012-2013 season. 36 hours before Dortmund's UCL semi-final against Real Madrid. And I remember when, at the final, when he didn't play for Dortmund, I thought, surely, man. I mean, I don't know if he was injured at the time. I can't really remember. It was a long time ago. But I just remember thinking, like, you've, you've passed up on the biggest game of your career so far. Uh, and everyone kind of thought it was because he'd made this move. Yeah, he was, meant to, he, he was then playing. He was allegedly meant to be um, injured, but that wasn't the case. I think what you've hit the nail on the head with both of them is they both struggled with injuries. I know Pato did as well. There's a statistic where a footballer misses roughly 10% of games in their whole career through injury. Mm. But the best or the last top 10 in the world for the last four or five years missed between 6 and 7%, highlighting oh, well. that you must consistently play all the time to really reach your height. I mean, we've got some fantastic stars in our time now that have suffered injuries and it's affected how we see them. Neymar is one. You know, mm. Neymar divides opinion because Neymar misses a lot of football. Uh, Bale is another one. Again, a brilliant player on his day, but he missed a lot of football. And Percy... Another really, really good play. Arguably three players you've just mentioned then that could be seen as some of the best players of the generation. However, you know, they've they've suffered a lot of injuries. So then you kind of look at them and and think, were they ever that good? You know, Mm. we're talking about Messi and Ronaldo. Game after game after game after game after game. They're playing Lewandowski is pretty much the same. Yeah, um, we're talking in the Premier League. I was complaining to a flatmate and this guy is not even, you know, one of the best in the world, his son. Every time son gets son's leg gets broken in ten pieces. Oh, back next game. It's like it's like, it's like uh, every single time. Oh, he's rolled his ankle over back next game, and, and and that's the thing with some of the greatest players. We could even put Kane in that bracket. Misses a bit of football, and I know Kane is an exceptional talent and an exceptional player, but it, it kind of it grates on the legacy of that particular player. And when they're young, in the cases of the players that we've just mentioned, it can really hamper them as it has done in their cases. Yeah, I remember Leroy Sano got injured for City. I can't remember exactly what the injury was, but it was meant to be serious. And he, I think he like, I think he like, I think he like strained a ligament or something or tore something, and he was back within like three weeks. I mean, you could see it as like a, it's <laughs> like a success of like the you know medical science in the fields of football now, which 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 must be exceptional. But still, it was like wow, this guy's back so soon, um, and obviously he didn't reemerge uh, reemerge into the the first eleven for well, what was eventually buy-in until he made that move a long time after. But it, yeah, I think. To your point as well, I mean, um, you know, Gotso was just to, just what I was about to go on to is that it came to light in 2017 that um, that he 
suffers from uh, myop- myopathy, which is a me- metabolic disease that can cause fatigue and weight gain. And I remember when he was out of favor, everyone was saying how he'd put on some weight at, at Dortmund when he went back there, um, or even before when he was at Bayern. And it's, it's often you don't find out about these things until, and it's possibly why it's harsh to you know refer to him as a flop, because he's obviously got this condition. that, And without that, he might not have had this decline. It might still be at Bayern doing incredibly well. And for the national team, you sometimes find out about these these things after see after even a player's retired or after whatever where they release a, a book or like an autobiography where it's like a certain personal issue has caused caused great like you know issues in their career or some injury some debilitating injury or condition like this that you don't potentially hear about at the time we know about this now and we did shortly after um but we have to kind of yeah, given the given how he started his career you've got to say that this his eventual decline um has got to be largely down to that myopathy and but even so he's declining he's still playing European League football for PSV it's just that in the context of this discussion about Golden Boy we really have to refer to as someone has really fallen off um, but he's contracted there until 2024 now he scored on Thursday so um, it's good to see him back back amongst the uh, back amongst the minutes in Europe and amongst the goals um, the other player the next player I was going to look at in terms of we've mentioned Isco but Mario Balotelli would be the other one on there um, he's you know, we'd say it potentially fallen off. He made his professional debut at Lumizane in 2005, moved to Inter in 07, where he really explored on the world stage. Had three mixed years at Man City, largely under Roberto Mancini, then went to AC Milan, where he actually scored in, in 2013, 26 goals in 43 games in the league, which is a good return. Because um, in my mind, I just, I just thought after he left City, he just kind of went down from hill from there. But actually, that was possibly his best goal scoring season uh, in that in that period. Um, he then had spells at Liverpool, Nice, Marseille, Brescia, Monza. Is now at uh, Adana, Demispor in the Turkish Super League. So he's got to be a really good example of someone who explored on the world stage at a really young age at Inter, and then is now you know he's still playing football, but it's completely you know you look at Gota and you look at well less Pato, but particularly Gota, he's still playing at a good standard. Balotelli has went through a lot of clubs and is no longer um, the player that he once was. I don't think I don't think Balotelli cares. To be honest, I remember. <laughs> I remember. The, I think it's the twenty twelve Euros. Is it twenty twelve? Where Italy beat Germany in the semis and lost to Spain. Yeah, it must be because that's where Spain beat them four nil. It was yeah. Cesar, Cesar Prandelli was the manager, and Balotelli scored two bangers in the semi final. He was so good that tournament um, as a number one striker. But I don't think he cares. I think another element of this as well, which Balotelli really highlights, and Asue Kotto as well, is. A lot of these talented players don't necessarily want to be the best in the world. You know, we don't we don't know that. Like, there is an assumption, I think, amongst us that these footballers want to be the best they can be because we like football, we love watching it. Therefore, we must assume, oh, they must want to be the best player in the world. I don't know. I'm not so sure a lot of players always think mm. that way. I think some might just think, you know, I like playing football. I don't really care whether I'm the best in the world or not. I just want to be playing all the time. And I think maybe Balotelli kind of falls into that bracket where, I don't know, he just didn't, he didn't really seem to care as much as someone of his talent or ability should do. Um, and because he was so talented, as we've listed the clubs before, so many clubs put up with him. Um, yeah, at City, he was mad. I loved him when he was here, but he was mad. Like some of the stuff he was doing. I remember mm. once where he set up a firework in his bathroom. Um, yeah, it was just all sorts. But then on his day, <laughs> he, he, he was very talented and... Yeah, it is a shame to us, but I don't know if it would be to him. I guess you'd have to ask him and find out. Maybe he'll be our next guest. Keep keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> I'd assume he would because he's because his drop has been so 
um, significant, meaning that his, his salary, et cetera, would have been sponsorship. So he would have not only suffered in terms of his own playing, playing career, and even if he didn't care that much about playing at the top level anymore, financially, he must have suffered quite a lot. So, I mean, I, th- I assume he would to an extent. And we turned up at that the training ground of that French club. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, was it Italian club? Can't remember the name. But he turned oh, up the training ground. And, and, yeah, and his security pass didn't work. That might have been, <laughs> I think it might have been Brescia. Uh, and he, I think he, his contract got terminated. I remember the story. I can't remember what club it was. That was quite jokes. You saw clips of him being escorted away by security. He's, you know what? When I turn 50, he's going to come to my birthday. <laughs> that's what I'm bringing to my birthday I'm going to bring him I'm going to bring Ja Rule I'm going to bring someone else but they're going to come to my birthday Ja Rule yeah they're coming God. to my birthday what a lineup. yeah no big lineup indeed yeah so I mean the current crop that I play and you look at some of the people who have won it I mean Anderson no he's not current club current crop but um, because I suppose I surprised to see him on there to extent but that's it but that's the benefit of hindsight he's had like, a great career and won a lot with Manchester United and course so I don't think it's, it's unjust to see someone like that on there and obviously you've got to take the context of the time not what's happened afterwards you know these, these votes are being made at the time Anthony Martial could he end up being someone who we look at back in 10 20 years and say he kind of fallen off he's still playing for Manchester United he's still young enough to to go and have a great career he won't. scores actually won so much who Martial no yeah he won't do that Oh, heard it here first, guys. Yeah, heard it here first. Marshall, <laughs> no. Marshall, no. There's no hope for yeah. Marshall. But then we look at, I mean, we look at the rest of those other more recent ones. Holland's the most recent, and I think that in person, current information, we have to say he'd be going on, it looks like he'd be going on to have an amazing career. But like Jao Felix, uh, Delete, and Renato Sanchez are perhaps the question marks are more lively there. Jao Felix is still playing for Atletico Madrid and, and doing okay, but we haven't... I think it was just because of the price tag and obviously when he moved after Griezmann, everyone's probably making that comparison. Um, obviously, Griezmann's not back at, at, at Atletico Madrid, but I think with Felix, Delete and Sanche, uh, Sanchez, the, the, the jury is, is arguably out at the moment. However, I think you know these players are still so young. Renato Sanchez, to be fair, is 24. So you'd have to say potentially isn't looking like someone who's going to go on to reach the absolute heights. But however, he has came back into form. He's, he's playing for Portugal in the Euros as well, which is, which is good to see. So I've... I've taken the 40-man playlist, playlist, shortlist, and I've whittled it down to 20. So I'll quickly read these through, and then we can go on to see who we think should take home the trophy. So based on the 40-man, I went for 20-man, and it goes Jude Bellingham, Pedri, Mason Greenwood, Jamal Masala, Bukaya Saka, Ryan Gravenberch, Ajax, Eduardo Camavinga, now Real Madrid, Giovanni Reina, son of Claudio Reina, born in, uh, Giovanni Reina was actually born in Sunderland, FYI. Jeremy Doku, Ajax <laughs> Mariba, Eric Garcia, Myron Baudu at Monaco, Florian Wirtz, Leverkusen, Brian Broby at Leipzig, Yusuf Demir at Barca, Josko Gavardiol at Leipzig, Ryan Shirky at Lyon, the absolute trickster, Curtis Jones Liverpool, Nuno Mendes at PSG, just moved from um, the Portuguese leagues, and Brian Gill just signed for Tottenham uh, from Sevilla, I believe. Um, on that 40 month play- uh, shortlist, Keep saying playlist on that shortlist. They actually has Guabiel Martinelli and William Saliba from Arsenal. Yeah, of course. Surprised to see them. You surprised to see those men on there? No, absolutely not. Should have had a few <laughs> more names on there as well. Now, William Saliba had a very good loan spell at uh, what was he last year? I think he was at Nice. So obviously, Saliba's twenty now. So it's it's rare to have a CB playing that many games in, in top flight football. I know he played very well. Martinelli is strange. He didn't he didn't play too much football for us last year, admittedly. But then you also have to highlight how much ball do a lot of these guys play. I think that's kind of the mm-hmm. point, right? I mean, a lot of these yeah. guys do play a lot of football. I know 
well. I know Jude Bellingham does, obviously, Bukayo Saka. I don't know. I know Camavinga does as well, Greenwood. But then some of the lesser-known names, I'm not too sure. I mean, Marcel is a bit of a surprise. Luke Thomas is a bit of a surprise <laughs> as well. He got absolutely yeah. skinned by Pepe when we played them last year. But promising young player, but it is a bit of a surprise. And I suppose it's it's a forty man shortlist, and it's you know how you know forty players between the age of well, I assume sixteen and then up to twenty is uh you know the pool of players just in Europe and in the top top leagues is um well you know there's not going to be there's not going to be hundreds so I suppose that's why you see them names in there and we'll see what happens with the twenty man sh- uh, shortlist. So I guess we'll finish now which is with who we think will be the winner. It's a very difficult one for me. It has to be between uh, Bellingham or Pedri, and it kind of to my point earlier around Rooney. It's almost like, do you pick a player who has made so many appearances because they've already kind of established themselves? Bellingham has only been on the kind of in the world stage or top stage and Pedri for a couple of seasons. They're both really young. They're both at 18. So I suppose that gives them more weight or more weight to that argument for them. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, do we just overlook the appearances element and just try and look rawly at someone's ability, which is hard when they haven't played too many <laughs> players against top opposition. But for me, it has to be Belgium or Pedri, you know, kind of on that point, just because they have played a lot for top teams in Europe. Um, Pedri's played a lot. I know Barca have struggled with finances in the last couple of seasons and, you know, bringing, so bringing players in in that particular position hasn't been easy. But he's still played countless games I think and mm. I can't remember what the statistic is but about Pedri playing so many games last season including the played the Euros and then played in the um, Olympics but he played an enormous number of games Jude Bellingham has been a mainstay in the Dortmund team for the, la- the kind of last stages of that of the last season um, so for me you'd have to go down that route but Mason Greenwood is someone who would be hotly um, on their shoulders for me no are you mad what so no 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 no, no, no. I agree with Bellingham and Pedri. No, no, third place by far is going to be Saka. From England, I said this before, I've done it quite a few times. I think if Bukayo Saka had England won the Euros, like you have to take into consideration as well, like the international claims. So Pedri, mainstay in the Spain international team, which is why I can understand that. They played mm. quite well. We're actually unfortunate to lose in the semifinals in the end. Uh, Bellingham didn't really play. Saka for me would definitely be there. Obviously, you can be caught up in the mixture between how good they were at club level, how good the team was that they're playing for at club level, plus what they're doing internationally. A lot of these players have really good mixes where some of them are playing for poor teams, but did a lot internationally, vice versa. I think Saka for me wouldn't win the award. I'd give it to Pedri. But I but I think the second place between Bellingham and Saka is very close because you would have to look at Saka's impact on the international stage. And in particular, he hasn't had many caps. I think he only has 10. But those performances for England, which we can take into consideration the whole year, were very, very good. And I think his performances for Arsenal, Arsenal went to the Champions League, which is which is part of the problem, were exceptional, mm. I think. But for me, it would be Pedri, Saka, then Bellingham. Greenwood wouldn't, wouldn't be in the picture as a fourth. I think Greenwood's a very good player, but... There are probably some others I'd look at before then because you've got people like Florian Verts, who I know is a mainstay yeah. and very important for the Leverkusen team. But yeah, team sack all the way, hold tight. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I, I, just a point to end on. Then on that on that note, is almost like I think it does make a difference when you come to the back of a tournament. Look at Renato Sanchez. You know, how do you, would he have won that if it wasn't for that European? I mean, you, I know it's obviously kind of almost trivial to say it, but if Portugal not won um, the Euro 2016 title, it did, and he was so fundamental in that. Um, he might not have won it just off the the regular season alone. Um, 
So then that gives that gives way to your point. I mean, Saka did very well in the Euros, and that adds more weight to his argument. Um, Pedri is kind of <laughs> did did well for Spain when he did play, and has done exceptionally well for Barcelona. So, given his rise in that side so early on, I think it's it's some. I think we can agree to give it to Pedri. Um, but there are even so like Camavinga would be unfortunate to miss out. Um, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening for our debate over the Golden Boy Awards. Uh, thank you for joining for putting all the information together. Uh, some incorrect facts from him. Basically, Bukai Saka should win it. <laughs> Don't know why that was in, in, in question at all, but we'll let that one slide. And uh, we'll see you next time. So tune in, please. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers.